This week on the Sportplex. This week, basketball and more basketball. The streak is done as the Jack Jumpers knock the Wildcats out of the NBL playoffs. Jamarant's rim rocker highlights a cracking week in the NBA. Cool. And we discuss Dominic Wilkins having a show-stopping package. <laughs> oh, we do. Let's go. It's 9-11, not intentional. On Wednesday, the 24th of April, WA time, we've had the NBL Awards, which is why we've recorded an extra day late. So, Stree, a major streak has been broken while a new one has begun as early as it possibly could. One of, if not the best, AFLW footballers has defected. Nick Kyrgios has been labelled a jerk. What's new? It's pretty apt. <laughs> More injuries in the NBA and AFL. We won't get to that today. We'll be very basketball-focused. And Joker will be welcome at Wimbledon. But now, as we do at the top every week, time to talk about Wordle. Mm. Now, do you know why I'm bringing this up? No. Okay, I'll give you some clues. Uh, a gentleman who played 12 seasons with eight different teams, the most of them with the Seattle Supersonics. <laughs> what? Okay. 12 seasons. With uh, do you remember? I think it was Monday's Word. Do you remember Monday's Word? I don't even remember today's Word. Oh, okay. I got, I got, okay. I got, I got First the- name, Vincent. Oh, Vincent Askew. Askew uh, was the word uh, a few uh, days ago. Yeah, I'm surprised that he did that. You, I thought no, Askew no. will be all over well, this. Because I, I read it as Askew and not yeah, Askew. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did too, but yeah. then afterwards my brain went I didn't even think about it. I got, yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I got today's in two, by the way. Nice. Yeah, we got it in three. Pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. stoked with that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I got Zimbabwe in three too. I was pretty happy Yeah, I think, I think I got Zimbabwe in three. So yeah. Anyway. Good times. Doing well. Doing well in the in the Erdles. Our real intro. What caught your attention? And what'd you miss? Well, I've got three things that caught my attention this week. I wanted to start off by sending out my congratulations to one J.R. Smith. Oh, did he graduate or something? Well, here's the thing. So he was always this walking advertisement for weed. Kind of always looked like he was a little bit switched off, maybe not the smartest guy on the court, and highlighted by him not knowing the score at the end of game one in the finals in 2018. I'm amazed LeBron ever played with him again after that. Me too. But this week, he won the North Carolina A&T's Academic Athlete of the Year with a 4.0 GPA, which is just awesome. Yeah, good on him. So he's still playing golf at that collegiate level, doing fairly well as far as I know. But yeah, for him, I think to to see that 4.0 GPA, that just means so much more. Oh, it's huge. It it really does. Yeah. Well done, JR. Absolutely. Now, as you mentioned as well at the top, one of the big things in the AFLW, the defection of Erin Phillips. Yes, indeed. Leaving the Adelaide Crows for the Port Adelaide Power. I think she's always been a Port girl. Well, her dad played for them. So, And I think her brother, uh, yeah, brother-in-law or something. There's a strong connection in her yeah. family, yeah. So yeah. it makes total sense. You can't blame her. She no, not at all. Probably her best years to Adelaide. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how many... How many premierships they won? But Three, I believe. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely multiple. So yeah, yeah. this good, year included. Good for her. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised if many fans begrudged her that move. Yeah, you watch them boo her mercilessly. Well, maybe. I mean, you know what fans are like. But if, I don't know, if that were me, I could completely understand why you would want to play for the club your dad did. Well, you've lived in Adelaide, so you understand the rivalry between Adelaide and Port probably better than I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's strong. So in summary, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything offensive. No, no, that's fair enough. So I could, <laughs> there are a few things going through my I head. I could like... see the hamster <laughs> taking the wheel. <laughs> now, the other thing, though, that I did want to talk about, and we won't talk about cricket today because there's just so much basketball, as, yeah, as always. A very basketball-focused episode. But it was the scenes at the end of the Rajasthan Royals win over Delhi on Friday. Now, Delhi were chasing 223, massive score. Joss Butler went ballistic, 116 off 65. It was superb. 
Now, Delhi needed 36 off the last over, which it's a tall ask. Oh, no matter how you go about yeah. it. I mean, it's only Jeez. been done a handful of times. Yeah, even with AB De Villiers in your team or Yuvraj Singh or any of those blokes, it's yeah. still a huge ask. It's huge. Yeah. Now, Rovman Powell actually got off to a pretty good start. He hit three consecutive sixes to start the over. But the third one looked to be above waist high. Oh. And so everyone's thinking, well, there's a no ball. That Free makes hit. things a little bit more yeah, interesting. absolutely. But the umpires refused to review it. They said it was legal, get back in your crease, play on. And all of a sudden, everyone's gone, well, hang on. No, 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 no. Like, this was above weight. You've got to review it. What's the letter of the law say? Do we know? Is it reviewable? Yeah, it is. Absolutely, it's reviewable, yeah. Interesting. Now, Rishabh Pant, who is the captain of Delhi, called his batters off the field in protest. Right. Which is that old chestnut. not great. No, not great. No. Eventually they went back on, but it kind of ruined Powell's momentum, momentum and would. Delhi would go on to lose by 15 runs. I guess I wanted to ask you the question, you know, what are your thoughts on a captain removing his team from the field in protest? I think it's very excessive. Yeah. I, I, what will it achieve really? Well, this is it. I guess the captain maybe thinks that the game's lost or almost certainly lost. So he's just kind of sending a message that, Hey, the letter of the law says this is reviewable. You should fucking review it, I guess. Well, yeah, but, I mean, 17 or four, again, it's still a, a very tall order. But oh, it's huge. It's but but it would have been a free hit, no ball. So that does make it easier. It does. So, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I didn't. I, I must admit, I haven't been following the IPL much at all. Oh, no. But, wow, okay. Mm. How about yourself, mate? Well, a few things. So I noticed that there was a video circulating on Twitter about Tubo Samuel. So there's some like nightclub somewhere. I, I assume in San Francisco. Have you yeah, seen? Yeah, I saw it. it. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so someone's got like this kind of billboard that says Debo is staying. I think it says, and then like everyone's partying and whatnot. And then the camera pans over, and Debo like gets his finger across yeah. his neck <laughs> and does the like I don't know what would you call it. Like I just think of that movie Copycat where Harry Connick oh, Jr. Geez. does. Like... <laughs> That's kind of like, weird. <laughs> just just quickly before you go on with that. That moment in that film where he basically slices the, his tongue with the with a knife. Oh, I don't recall that. Cat, that gave me the creeps. Well, it would. For we were pretty movie. young when that movie we, came. We were, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that bit. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> I'll have to show you after we finish recording. <laughs> anyway, back to Debo. Yeah, oh, just it was just so funny that just that whole scene. And so, yeah, it looks like he won't be a San Francisco 49er next season. Or he's a really good actor. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, hey. They have his rights, so if they refuse to trade him, then yeah, but he could refuse to play. So Ben Simmons. Yeah, oh God, we'll get there. Jeez, we'll get there. Neil Robertson was responsible for just the 12th ever perfect break of 147 in the World Snooker Championships. He did go on to lose to Jack Lesowski, but hey, still very impressive and very rare accomplishment. I'd be happy with a break of 10. Oh, absolutely. Now, I'm no big NRL person, but I did see the end of the Storm and Warriors match before the quiz on Monday. We tried the whole NRL thing. It didn't really work. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) We've talked about maybe trying to be all things for all people and be across too much. But yeah, their 54 unanswered points were the most in the NRL era. 70 to 10. A 70 to 10, 60 point win. Ouch. Oh, big time. And then finally, rest in peace to John Rutherford. He was West Australia's first ever test cricketer. Very interesting story. He played one test in 1956 against India, scoring 30 and picking up a wicket. But it would be his only test because he tragically suffered a stroke at just the age of 31 while on tour in the West Indies Mm. and a tour match. So leggy too. So Oh, geez, you never have too many leggies. No, so good. We we always (laughs) go on the leggies. We're half on about it. 
So he did have a very good knock, 92, but uh, obviously our thoughts are to anyone involved or who know John Rutherford. And as I say, a very interesting story. What'd you miss, mate? Well, look, a few things this week. <laughs> Sorry, I laughed because I missed asking you what you missed. Yeah, Nathan, <laughs> Nathan missed what you missed. Look, a few things. I think probably the thing that I was most disappointed with missing was the Illawarra-Sydney clash. Yeah, me too. That ended up being an absolute ripper of a game. And look, it all came down to a foot being a little bit too far mm. back for me and Clark. And Not KD as such, but uh, yeah, it, it was no, a KD-like infringement, probably, a foot on the line. Probably worse. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was worse. It, it was because, of, yeah, turnover. Yeah, well, actually, hmm, they were eliminated from the playoffs. Anyway, we, yeah. we don't need D to D debate. Durant at least got them to overtime. Yeah, yeah that's true, that's true, yeah. <laughs> what oh, <laughs> And in somewhat ironic fashion, I forgot to ask Nathan what he missed. So, Nathan, how about yourself, mate? What'd you miss? Well, I missed that as well. And I, I would have liked to have seen a bit more NBA, but I, I was kind of very selective. So I watched like fourth quarters and second halves and I, I grazed a lot. I thought rather than kind of watch one game in full or a couple of games in full, I'll graze around and try and be across a bit more. And I think that was the right strategy in the end. Nothing like the first quarter of Miami-Atlanta game three. Woo! The delay. Oh, I just no, I just, oh, I, well, I just we'll get I, to that. I just picked a random quarter. Oh, <laughs> right, right. We'll get well, funnily enough, I saw the first half of that. Game. There we go. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will get to that. Well played, Stu. So, Stewie, there's two very, very important things in the NBA world we must discuss. First things first, Kai Soto named fans MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Should have won the whole thing. <laughs> I've already had pushback from some of our Filipino friends on Twitter. Hello, if you're listening. Should, we, we actually like him, should, don't we? We do say, like him. We, we should very quickly address this. Yeah. Both of us have been very high on Kay Soto for the entire season. I, I think he is an absolutely superb player, one who was probably a little bit underutilized in the first half of the season. Obviously, the population of the Philippines being over 110 million probably means that the voting's a little bit sort of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four times our population. More than four times More our than, population. Yeah. yeah, so I like... Ice Ibal. Now he, he did say I look dumb. So I, I don't know. Maybe I do. That's um, not fair. Well, I, it is what it is. But he said, and shout out again, we don't have a problem with Soto, but like most valuable player. Okay. He has different criteria. He said, valuable in this award means valuable for his fans. It's a fan voting based award, not stats. It means Kai had the biggest votes from fans as fan favorite, just like Mitch Creek won way before, right? Mitch Creek's been like a near MVP candidate a couple of seasons. Do we think we should have opened the voting to China then? Oh, mm. well, I'm sure that they could have. Do I we, don't think it was geo-blocked to we, just do, Australia, do New we, Zealand and the Philippines well, just then, quietly. Do you think the but Germany's didn't give Huck Porty more votes, did they? Or France with does, just on and... Do the Chinese population not think that Big Lou or or uh, Joe Chi perhaps were the, were the MVP? I don't know. Look. Joe Chi was huge in that game, wasn't he? He, he was huge against the Wildcats, yeah, unfortunately. Well, but look, we have to just put a big underline underneath this. It's not that we don't think Kaysoto is a great player. We think he is superb. It's not quite the MVP. Well, great's a strong Yeah. Player. But okay. no, no, no. Yeah. He, yeah. We, no, we have I, a no, different I, idea of what most valuable player means. I think Soto has a very good chance of making the NBA. Oh, no, I do too. I do too. And I like him. And there's still a work in progress. Absolutely. Yeah. But he's young and he's got some very good tools. He's very malleable. Yeah. All right, so the joking out of the way, the really important thing, Nick Kyrgios blocking shots in yes. the Celebrity All-Star <laughs> game. So Steve Carfino called him a jerk and referred to his players unsportsmanlike on the back page on Fox Sports. I'll quote what he said. 
It wasn't the right moment to show how dominant you can be against, you know, Australia's contestant for Miss World, who was probably about, I don't know, 20. five foot seven or something. Oh, sorry. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to block her shot. He's going hard, blocking the shot of the Premier. He, he blocked Dom Perrottet twice. Can I just say quickly, <laughs> fuck oath he should have blocked that guy. Like, I got no problems with him blocking blocking that. Like That was an awesome block. But don't, don't, block, don't block Miss World. Come oh, on. It's funny, isn't it? And, and like also, the we didn't talk about ScoMo's uh, Prime Minister ScoMo, because we say co-ScoMo for the Wildcats. Uh, ScoMo's Falcon. We forgot to talk oh, about that the other week. He played it off well. He, played oh, the, he, he ran with it. Yeah. He played the Falcon off well. I give him credit for that. <laughs> but just to finish the quote, didn't come out, refused to come out of the game. We had 18 players and we got everybody in. I think it was, you know, for the betterment of the game, it was the right thing to do. So Kyrgios has retorted, of course, called Steve a potato, which is one of his favourite. Absolutely his go-to. It is, isn't it? He loves calling people that. And how's this? Then he stuck the knife in. Maybe if you showed less sportsmanship, your NBA career would have lasted longer. <laughs> I mean, he's one oh, to talk. Rough. He is one to talk. Rough. How much is that pot or kettle like? Oh, I know, I know. You know, this is a bloke who has all the tools that he could possibly need to be a top 10 player on the ATP tour. And he refuses to, to put it all together. Modern athletes with no self-awareness. Like, it's an exhibition game. Who gives a shit if you win it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't be out there blocking... Probably not anyone. Yeah, uh, if, if there was... Except the Premier. Well, curious. Well, the, yeah, the ones that can play, I'd be trying to block. Yeah. But the ones that clearly maybe weren't as skilled or didn't know what they were doing or... Yeah. Because mm. there, there was one point where I'm pretty sure there was a kid who would have been like six or seven. Now, my apologies. I didn't see this in full. Apologies if it wasn't a kid, if, if it was somebody who maybe... Was short. Maybe was just short or maybe had some sort of disability. I apologise wholeheartedly. But... They lifted this person up to give them a chance to score. I'm surprised Kyrgios didn't, didn't like... I thought you were going to say he did. No, I'm surprised... <laughs> he came he, flying he, through from he, the weak side. I'm surprised he didn't come, come in and like... Smash it against the back. Or, or just, or just like lay the kid out or something. Oh, dear. Take the professional foul, like the hard playoff foul. <laughs> come on, Nick. You're better than that. Oh, yes. Okay. We'll be serious now to a point. Keep the levity up if we can. Yeah. And which will be hard because the streak is over. The streak is over. 35 years, besting the Edmonton Eskimos 34 consecutive playoff seasons in the Canadian Football League. We'll get to the Jack Jumpers too, because what they've achieved is absolutely amazing. And if I could pick any team for the streak to end to, it would be the Jack Jumpers in their inaugural season. Amen. Now, crazily, and I know we've both seen this John Casey tweet, Apparently, the only time the Wildcats were out of the top four in the entire season was in the final round in those final 24 hours when the Jack Jumpers had beaten Melbourne and we hadn't played our last game yet. And I do say we, we are going to speak, we are fans. We are going to speak as fans today a little bit. It's impossible not to. We try our best not to be the Perth show, sometimes more successfully than others. To be fair, we are development players for the Wildcats, both of us. <laughs> well, I think there'll be a lot of people east of the Great Australian Bite, that will probably be drinking our tears today. Mm. So they'll probably be happy to hear us. So, oh, look, I know you want to tee off. Oh, look, I hope people enjoy salt, quite frankly. <laughs> Here we go. There's a, there's a fair bit. No, it's such a, it's a tricky one because we've talked so much throughout the season about all of the deficiencies of this team. We've talked about the lack of defensive rebounding. We've talked about the first quarters. 
We've talked about the, lack of traditional power forward. The, yeah, all of that sort of stuff. So th- there are so many different things: the recruiting, the the coaching, which I will unfortunately have to tee off on because. Well, I think the recruiting probably deserves a bit of tee off too, to be honest. Well, well it does, and, and the ownership. And look, we said this right from the start. I said in the preseason stuff, the reason they've got Frazier in is to cover for Blanchfield until he comes back from his injury. Then they'll pick up a power forward. Or so we thought. That's what the the logic would have yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. And Brandon Ashley was out there. Yep. He would have been fine, I think. He would have been great. Like this John Brown, the third guy, okay, he would have been great too, I'm sure. But Brandon Ashley would have actually fit into the team quite nicely in that power forward. But he can also swing into centre as well. So Wildcats probably should have looked at snapping him up before the Phoenix did. Absolutely. I yeah. think that would have made a lot of sense. It would have taken care of a lot of the rebounding issues. Yeah. You know, you can split the minutes. Okay, he gets into foul trouble a lot. Well, guess what? So does Matt Hodgson. Guess yep. what? Sometimes Majuk Majuk does as well. So there's enough minutes there that you can kind of push them around as they're needed. Well, and it would have given the smaller guys or the guys like Blanchfield more minutes too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it means that Jesse Wagstaff can play a more traditional three, which maybe not on defense, it's not quite as good. He's probably better off defending the fours because he's a bigger guy, but... Yeah, there were just there were so many things about the construction of this team right from the start where you just went, mm, not entirely sure. We maybe have too many point guards and not really much else. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And a lot of teams have bigs that can swing between power forward and center. Jarrell Martin, for example, is one of those sort of players. But unfortunately, and they're a rare breed these days. But center only players, our two big guys were center only players. Yep. And the other guys just didn't get a run very much. Like Hayes Brown, he showed some good things in the early se- in the preseason and the early season. Purchase never got a run. I know, forgot Sherville was on the fucking roster. Do you know how many minutes Purchase played all season? Oh, 10? 34. Yeah. Which is still shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. In, Garbage time. Yeah, and, and that was a tweet that I saw. Apologies, I can't remember who it was that put it out there. But in a season where we needed rebounding, you can't find more than 34 minutes. Yeah, well. So, yeah, definitely, look, the roster construction wasn't amazing. And, you know, I've, I've seen both sides of the fence and both sides of the argument about the whole Scott Morrison issue. I, f- I feel like I do. I feel like I need to tee off. Yeah. Which is fine because I've been playing golf all day. So <laughs> How'd you go? All right. uh, I mean, not amazing. 96, but, you know, back to about 48. So it was raining. It wasn't. Oh, yeah. The conditions haven't been good in person. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. wasn't amazing for it. But, look, I mean, I'm, I'm not. Tiger Woods, that's for sure. No, so that's okay. Anytime I break 100 is fine. So the first thing that I, I wanted to talk about is after the streak had officially come to an end, Bryce Cotton has just missed the jump shot to tie the game. And uh, it's it rimmed out. Yeah. yeah. Tend it to double OC. He, he's missed that, um, which, look, let's be honest, wasn't a great shot choice anyway. No. I'd rather him jack up a three for the win than take that. Did but, they call a hook not long before that? That was a bit soft. Oh, but, probably it was, was probably there. Probably was it probably there. was there. Yeah. Still. I was a little bit boozed by that stage. So. <laughs> I, I was sober, so unfortunately. <laughs> I was down the pub. Like, either, okay, either I'm celebrating yet another playoff appearance or commiserating the end. Absolutely. And unfortunately, that's what it was. But the reason I bring that up is that all the players stayed out on the court and addressed the fans and kind of had their say. Scott Morrison left the court the moment the siren went. Right. Went straight to the back. And I have to say... I have to say, this is information I'm not aware of. I did not pick up on this. So you look at guys like Scott Roth, who... Congrats. Oh yeah, he's he's, he's, yeah. he's out there every fucking week. He shake hands with every person in the crowd yeah. if you could. Yeah, it yeah. does not matter whether it's the first game of the season or the last. He's out there talking to the fans. You know, hopefully we'll see you next week. All that sort of stuff. Adam Ford addresses the fans. 
Morrison hangs his team out to dry, mm. basically leaves them out there. It just does not look good. It doesn't look like a coach who wants to be in this environment, quite Interesting. frankly. Interesting. Well, and after those comments he made, and again, I think they were tongue-in-cheek. And I can't remember. I think we might have talked about them last week. Well, let's read. There's one in particular. Yeah, go on, I want to please. Read You've got it written down. Yeah, yeah, far away. I, I, I was going to paraphrase, so go on. And, and I have to preface this by saying that I think regardless of whether it's tongue-in-cheek, this is some of the most unprofessional shit that I've ever seen from a head coach. Somebody questions his job security. You know, there's all this worry about the streak and you might lose your job, blah, blah, blah. And he says, if I lose my job, they are paying me out for my salary for next season. I got myself into a big challenge and it's making me a better coach. If fans of the ownership want to send me packing, they can send me with my salary and good luck to the next guy. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's even tongue in cheek, even as a bit of dark humor, you have to think about how these things read on a page. Because a lot of people read the news. They're not watching news conferences. You have to think about how these words will read. And he, this is one of a number of occasions now where the words just look a bit dicey, don't they? They look arrogant. Yeah. And, in fact, and he has come across that way, hasn't he? Th- th- this is absolutely the way I feel about him. I, I, I feel right from the start that he had a, a certain level of arrogance to him. That, Chip on his shoulder. Yeah. I've already coached in the NBA not as a head coach, but I've, I've been in the NBA coaching system. Therefore, I'm a, not, not above this, but I'm like, I know more about this shit than everyone else does. We've spoken about the chat that I had with him on Twitter, where it's all about analytics. You, mm. you come at him and he just throws a bunch of stats at you and says, I know analytics more than you. You need to learn the game. You just sound like someone shaking their fist at a cloud. It's like, well, I give you some praise for being a massive Simpsons fan. Good for you. <laughs> he was that, probably around our age. But, exactly. Like he's a similar age to us. Yeah, so he yeah, should yeah. be. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I just, I have a big problem with that. It just, it does. The whole thing just came across as arrogant. It came across as I don't want to be here. You know, he quite often wouldn't wear the Wildcats apparel when he was in the press conferences. He would just wear a straight black shirt or a red shirt or whatever it happens to be like, but there's no logos on it. It's just like, I wonder if he really appreciated what the role meant. So, and I've been talking about this with my friend over a few weeks now at the quiz when the Wildcats come up, because we've kind of been charting this, you know, Oh, will it, will it happen? Will it? And, and I'll be honest, death taxes and the Wildcats making the playoffs. And even though I didn't pick him in the playoffs, I re-went back and, and looked at our part two. I know in our part one NBL preview, I said, oh, I'll probably have Perth in. But when push came to shove at the end of the season, I did have, you had him in, but Cody and I both had them out of the playoffs. And you followed the gays doctrine, which was fair enough, which was a very sound doctrine. Well, I learned the pick them until season. they lose. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, I'm, and my concerns were why I didn't pick him in. And look, there, there is some mitigating stuff here. He did have to coach via Zoom or on an iPad effectively, barely got a chance to be with the team in person before the season started, then was away from his family for a young family for long stretches when they were on the road, looked like they may never come back. There were injuries. I think we probably forget about the injuries. Blanchfield did miss some significant time. Norton did miss some significant time. So I'm not trying to make excuses, but there are bits of context that people do tend to forget. The problem is, the arrogance, the chip on the shoulder, that sort of stuff. So if he'd been less surly, and I think surly is a word that does describe him a little bit. If he'd been less surly, then people might have given him the benefit of the doubt a little bit more. But unfortunately, that's not what happened. And then I think on on top of that, there's Hutchie's recent comments. And now I don't know if you have them written down. I know you've seen them. Uh, yeah, I didn't write them down. Out you of, replied. Out of, out of spite. Yeah, yeah. So what did he say? Something along the lines of basically, this is the most hands-on ownership 
the wild or the red army has ever enjoyed or something to that effect jack bender sat courtside every fucking game he, well and Vlahov, you, you recorded Vlahov that. was training with him he recorded it on a zoom call uh, yeah which means he wasn't even in the state for it well and and look again with COVID and stuff but but this is the thing right so i can't help but think I keep thinking about that image of him sitting courtside at a Melbourne United game with his son wearing Melbourne United apparel. And again, his son was raised in Melbourne. Fair enough. He should go for that team. I have no problem with that. But the optics mean something. Yeah. And then when you say this shit, you can't help but think of images like that. Yeah. So like, they just I feel like they haven't been very careful with their words. And there's, I feel like there has been a level of arrogance across the board. So arrogance from the ownership group from over east thinking they know better and, and maybe not learning about the culture a bit more. And again, yes, in this time of COVID, that is difficult. So that isn't a significant mitigating factor. I do grant that. But going back to what I was kind of saying, so I've, I've taken the long road here. What I was basically saying was an NBL coach's job, and Scott Roth knows it, Simon Mitchell knows it, an NBL coach's job is just as much to be an ambassador, a brand ambassador, a team ambassador, the sport ambassador, as it is to be a coach, nearly. Yeah. And that's something that Coscomo has failed at dismally all season long. Absolutely. And again, I, I know he's tired and he's been away from his family and there's a lot of difficult shit, but it's a part of the job. So I wonder if he ever appreciated that. So I don't know if that's a, a failing on part of the ownership or if that's a failing on part of him or both. I, I don't know. But that's kind of how I feel about all that. But I also want to rebut a couple of things that you said. Like you were talking about how he only came in a week before the first game of the season and the fact that he was away from his family and all that sort of stuff. The problems that we had weren't at the start of the season. No, I know. And that's the funny that's, thing. That's what makes it even worse is that they came home, home cooking. You get nine straight games at home and you go three and six. And everyone's talking about the Wildcats almost potentially finishing top because of those last nine home games. And rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. Well, how's this? So they lost six of the last eight home games, including to Adelaide, who only won 10 for the entire season. And four road games total. According to NBL Muse, in the 16 seasons prior to this one, the Cats had a home record of 178 and 52, 77%, and had never, never, ever lost more than five home games in an entire season. They lost six in a month. Mm. And against some pretty shitty competition at times too. But, sure, as I always like to say, there's a reason they play the games. There is. And the thing, like, I'll talk a little bit about, I guess, some of the specifics in terms of what I didn't like. And I've, I've spoken, obviously, already about the, the arrogant side of things. And, and one of the things that he spoke to me about on Twitter was the analytics of, oh, well, we shot 40% from the three-point line in this game. And I said, well, my concern is the games when you don't shoot 40%. And this is one of them. 10 of 41. One less three-pointer than two-pointers. Well, Bryce missed a lot, too. He did. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know what? Some of them, you've just got to go, okay, cool. Yeah. Mitch Norton was one of five. He shouldn't be taking five three-pointers a game, but that's not that's not his game. Travis was taking too many throughout the season. Travis took quite a few in this, especially in the second half of the season. Yeah. So this is what I'm what I'm sort of saying is that that NBA game plan, which is so revolving around the three-point shot, doesn't work in the NBL. And if your team has a bad night and doesn't make any adjustments, it looks bad. There's no defense. Like you've you've got to take what the defense gives you. That was another thing that he mentioned to me. Well. There are options to get into the mid-range against Southeast Melbourne. They're not 
an amazing, amazing defensive team, especially on the perimeter. You've got Kyle Adnam, who couldn't defend his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> and you've got Isaiah Liafa, who's not bad, but he's certainly not Shea Ely. And so I look at that and I just say, well, there are better options that you can get for that. The other big thing that fucking killed me in the last couple of weeks was the rotation policy. It's like all of a sudden he went, oh, yeah, I need to sub every 30 seconds. Yeah, well, he did that whole line change against Adelaide. Yep. Uh, wow. Well, there was the... Uh, in fairness, about the three thing, it did feel like the Wildcats were playing a bit more inside out towards the end of the season a little bit. Like, Hodgie had a few good games. Majuk had a decent game near the end there too. 10 of 41, man. That's, yeah, yeah, like, no, that last game. That last game, like, 10 of 41. Oh, yeah. In a game where everything's on the line. Yeah, I, I just yeah. can't do that. And nothing on the line for Southeast Melbourne, as you say. Yeah. And just quickly, you're sort of mentioning the, the line change thing. There was the game, I think it was the Illawarra game, where Michael Frazier comes out and has seven points in two minutes. This is a guy who has been so maligned all season. Yeah. Everyone was calling for his head right from day dot, including us, to be fair. It was nothing against him. It was about roster construction. It yeah, yeah, it, it just, was about fit. It didn't yeah. fit. And yeah. unfortunately, you could see that throughout the season that it didn't fit. But then all of a sudden he comes out, he starts playing good basketball, he starts being aggressive, seven points in two minutes, and he gets dragged. And we're all sitting there looking at it like, what are you doing? Yeah, I know. Like, it might be a minutes restriction. I don't give a shit. Leave him out the there. The hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him I've another... never understood. Too many coaches do that. I, I still don't understand why blokes are dragged after kicking a goal in the yeah. AFL. Like, <laughs> if he's got seven points in two minutes, see if he can get 14 in four. Yeah, yeah. Or if all of a sudden he starts missing... Then you sub yeah, him off. Yeah. It's like, I feel like a 15-year-old coach who's coaching his first ever team could see that. <laughs> you ride a hot hand yeah, until yeah. it flames out. It's just it's just simple. And if there is a minutes restriction, he may never see the court again for the rest of the game, but keep him on during the hot period. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Now, I did want to get your thoughts on this. Now, not long after the, the final siren of that last game, his Wikipedia page had been edited quite heavily. Oh, really? <laughs> So, I, see, I'm already at the bar for my second shot within about five minutes of this. So. Let, let me read you an excerpt from this. <laughs> Scott turned out to be the most clueless coach in NBL history and the current day Murray Arnold would have come up with better defensive strategies than this arrogant turd. Oh, wow. Perth supporters have booked his ticket back to Canada for the 25th of April, 2022. Wow. Now, can I just say, Murray Arnold has been dead for nearly 10 years, so yeah. ouch. And we were a bit young to kind of appreciate the ins and outs of how we can't remember those games. Yes. Yeah, that is rough. Yeah. Speaking ill of the dead. What's, what's even rougher is saying that anyone's more clueless than Connor Henry. <laughs> Yes. Like, even, yeah. even, Shout out to Andrew Kenyon. <laughs> even, though, even though he made the playoffs as the coach, he was the most clueless coach that I've ever seen in any sport. And I think legitimately Murray Arnold would have been better. <laughs> it's just, oh my goodness, mate. So yeah, that was probably a little bit harsh. And look, who knows? It seems like for all intents and purposes, he will be back next year. It kind of seems like the the brass kind of, kind of dropped the ball with that one. So. so they've said there's going to be a full review, but his job's safe. I'm actually okay with that. In a similar way to Shamir, like it has been heavily compromised and it is easy for us to forget in Perth. Because although, okay, yes, the borders were shut, we haven't had to really worry about COVID nearly as much as many places because we've had those shut borders. And those, let's face it, those shut borders played a part here in some way, shape or form, although we did start better on the road than we did at home. I'm okay with him getting another season. But I'll tell you what, 
the recruitment needs some major attention. And if he's not good next season, then you can cut him loose with one more to go. But I, I really hope the one thing that he takes out of all of this is that I need to kind of inject myself more into the community. Yeah. I need to show that I'm actually here rather than I've got one eye on this game and one eye on Boston or wherever the hell my next stop, stop yeah. might be. Like, yeah. Just show us you're here. Like, even if you're not, we don't care if it's true. Just make it feel like you're there. Do what Scott Roth does. Do, yeah, you know, yeah. you know you've, you've got the animation. We've seen it. You can be Adam Ford. You can whatever. Like, just fucking be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It'll be interesting to see what next season holds. I don't know if you saw the Nick Marvin tweet. A fish rots from the head down. I did, yeah. So there's some pretty Ooh. strong indications there. That was after the Adelaide loss, I think. That was even before the Jack Jump. Loss. Oh, really? I thought that was after the Illawarra. Oh, it was Illawarra. You're right. It was. Yeah. It was after the Illawarra loss. That's right. Which, by the way, Antonius Cleveland, in a five-foul league, had two fouls within, what, 27 se- seconds? 30, yeah, 30 seconds, yeah. Well, we should have probably won that one too. I know Illawarra are bloody good, but fucking hell. So, but anyway, I'll finish on this. Couple of super fans tweets here. So Nick Tan, he said, two seasons without a championship is the longest drought for the team since 2013-14. It feels like forever. <laughs> and James Faliro, he's been a member for like 35 years or something. He's a super fan too. And he said the longest streak now for NBL playoffs is five for Melbourne United. Then the next best is Illawarra with two. Woo! With two. <laughs> nice. Isn't that crazy? It is. So is, here's my question. Is it actually good for the league the Wildcats have finally lost? Yeah, it is. I think so too. It, it is. Yeah. The thing is, like, I mean, people can say what they want. The streak meant so much. It, it was just... Oh, it did. Because we would literally say, as long as the streak remains intact. Yeah. We, like, we, didn't, I don't we even, wanted a championship. I don't but, even care if we don't win the championship, as long as we make the playoffs. Yeah, which, yeah it was playoffs or bust. We wanted the championship, but it was playoffs or bust, yeah. But it potentially does now allow for a complete overhaul. Yeah. Get the yellow jerseys in because they were so sick. Well, we moved to red for that Coke sponsorship in like, what, 95 or something? Mm. I mean, if there's, although we have the red army, so I don't know if we will move back away from that. Oh, but... The yellow army. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I did like those yellow. <laughs> those yellow ones were so good. Yeah, yeah. No, anyway. I did. I anyway, did. and just quickly, Knife, I know you love Luke Travers. He's declared for the draft. I'm okay with him going, quite frankly. <laughs> well, if he if he is drafted, he'll probably be a draft and stash anyway. But I think this is another interesting thing. I think both he and Blanchfield regressed this season. Massively. And that, to me, is maybe a sign of the coaching. And I would have thought that... I, I really wonder how much video he watched of last season's team because we didn't change a hell of a lot. And if he'd seen the way that, that Travers and Blanchfield were used... I don't know. It's maybe it was the Fraser thing. It's it's yeah. so, it's just tough. Like, I don't have any confidence in Travers at all. I, I'm I'm all for him defensively, but he had two good games, like two really good games this season. Like I say, I think he's regressed. I, I always thought the athleticism and the defense is what gave him a chance. I now think he's maybe I don't know got a one in three chance of getting drafted. I think what people forget is this is a professional man's league. He'd be a sophomore in college. Mm. He probably would have done some pretty fucking good things in college. Maybe. So I think people tend to forget that. So if you stack him up against college players, I think he's got a chance. Now, I don't think he's a shoe in by any stretch of the imagination. And I think he would have had a better chance last season than this season. So it will be interesting. Do you remember how much we badmouthed Osmian Deng at the start of this season? Well, again, though, I tempered it because I said he's so young. And we, we tend to forget about people being young, playing with men. So I think you maybe bagged him more than me. 
Well, I did. But, I did. Yeah. He shot a better clip from three than Travis did. Oh, yeah. Well, Dieng, we knew that Dieng liked the three because he was taking yeah. lots of them, and even he, in pre-season. And his shot selection with it was terrible for 90% of the season. I, I just, I don't like him offensively. I think he's really suspect on the dribble. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I the, the, like- the offensive improvement that I kind of expected this season didn't come. And I think under Gleason it might have, but Gleason wasn't here. Do you, so. do you know the best thing that they can do with Travis? He needs to be filling that dunker spot. That's, that's yeah, where, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. where you get so yeah, much value. Uh, yeah, he could play power forward. He could. He could play, yeah. He could bulk up a little bit, play power forward. Yeah, be, catch, be a good passing power lob, forward. Yeah, be catching lobs. He should be getting six or seven rebounds a game. It, yeah, anyway, good luck. Now, congratulations to the Jack Jumpers. Like I said at the top, I'm so happy it's them and not any other team. They finished 15 and five in their last 20. I always respected them. I always talked up their D and their effort and their intensity. I had Scott Roth really early in the season as coach of the year, which is actually abnormal for me because I don't like picking awards too early. No, you do not. But I clearly didn't believe in them. And maybe I should have. No one did. Yeah. Except for them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. But, but, the odd person did. But, when you, but, but like, yeah. But if you looked at the roster, there was no reason to believe in that team. You had two unproven, undersized guards and you had a whole bunch of cast-offs. And then Magna got injured. And then, exactly. <laughs> there's there's no world where they finish 15 and five in their last 20 games. I've seen you've got that written down. Like yep. that's like that's such a crazy stat for yep. even Sydney finishing 15 and five in their last 20 is a crazy stat. And by the way, we forgot to talk about their streak. My understanding is that they had 10 consecutive road wins, the first team to do so since Canberra in 1985. There you go. Yeah. I can't remember if that was NBL facts or it might have been the NBL account itself, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. But it, it hats off to them. It just didn't make sense, though. No. It did not make sense. But again, it, it, there's a reason they play the games. We might need to call this episode that. And also, it shows how important intensity, fight, discipline, playing the right way, yep. doing the one percenters. It can be enough. But and that's where the value is in a Jared Bairstow, a Fabian Krislovich. You know, they, and it helped that Steindl improved as the season yeah. wore on. A few of their players. McIntosh. Matt, Matt Kenyon. Mikhail yeah. McIntosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean he, he he really fit into his role as the season wore on. And maybe the Magna injury helped McIntosh a little. Yeah. Maybe he was one of the beneficiaries of that injury, because that does happen in a weird way with teams. Because there's more minutes. Hmm. But oh, hats off. Ab- absolutely. And as we said, like, it, it's a joy watching Scott Roth, the way that he coaches. It's a joy watching the way that the community and the Jack Jumpers intertwine. And that's that's where as a Wildcats fan, you look at it and you feel jealous because they've taken the entire culture. <laughs> and we've It's not of, all gone. It's not all gone. It feels like it. Yeah, no. I, I mean, the scars are still very fresh. I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to be... Uh, zen about this all. I'm, all all I'm good not. things. <laughs> all good it. things come to an end. I'm glad it was the Jack Jumpers. What about the never-ending story? Uh, well, it does though. That's the thing. But that's not good, is it? Right, it's been too the, long. Is okay, it good? Right, I what, just remember the horse. Right. Do you remember the horse dying? That's yeah. whatever. Yeah. Anyway. All right. What about the what, um, wish dragon? what about the the song that doesn't end from Lamb Chop? Well, that's not good. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where do we go next? It's been awards season, or do you want to do playoff picks? Let's do awards first. All right, so Shailen Adams, MVP. He won by 105 votes. Well, sorry, he didn't win by 105 votes. He received 105 votes. Bryce received 94, JLA 62. And Matt McQuaid, I saw on Twitter tonight, said that Jalen Adams and Xavier Cooks, the first time the Kings have had players lead in both rebounds and assists in a season. Rebounds for Cooks and Adams for assists. Cotton, of course, led the league in oh, scoring. For the whole league, I get, yes, you. I yeah. get you. Look, 
I think this is fine. I've got no problems with it. I think Cotton had a great season, but he did shoot at a worse clip. And I don't, I don't think the offense really. It's the eye test stuff for me with Cotton. It was the eye test stuff. He just didn't seem, but look, the only issue I have is that he did miss a quarter of the season, but I'm actually still okay with it. I do think he was the MVP. Yeah. I think he took over games as much as he needed to. Exactly. He helped them win. He was instrumental in that winning streak. Yeah. Yeah. There, There were games where he felt like he had to go for 30 and he did. And there were other games where it was like, cool, I can take six shots in this game, have eight assists, get everyone else involved. That game-winning dunk, my oh, God. Still, that's but what effectively was a game-winning dunk? The play of the season. Oh, so big. Absolutely. Well, that was not, fantastic. Well, not only that, but he, after the dunk, the presence of mind to get the rebound and pass to Martin for the game winner, yep. all in the, the space of a second. That was one of the great games of the season. Yeah. Yep. Well, great finishes. The, the, the rest of the game wasn't oh, so good. okay, Brisbane were in it, mate. It can't well, I remembered enjoying that one, but yeah. Well, see, this was Brisbane, though. I mean, I, I really enjoy watching Robert Franks play. They have their moments. They do have their moments. Just they have, they they're have, not regular they, enough. They have their moment. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> and that was in a double overtime win in Perth. Exactly. That is it. <laughs> uh, uh, Scott Roth, Coach of the Year. I mean, yeah, as it should be, yeah. Look, honourable mention, though, to Vickerman. I mean... Like we said that the Melbourne United team didn't look great. No, on we both picked them out of the playoffs and I didn't expect Delhi to be this good, I'll be honest. But I think Vickerman turned those guys. I mean, if you look at what he did with that defensive lineup of having Delhi, of having Shea Illy, those guys, they, I mean, they were absolute demons defensively. He got really good. Well, like Gard is a great defender. Yep. And then Huck Porty got better as the season he wore on. Brilliant. And, yeah. and look, they, they weathered the storm without Golding to start the season. I just, yeah, I think he did a great job. And any other season, you would have said, yep, Dean Vickerman, coach of the year. But I think the the expectations, what Scott Roth did with that team. Just... And expansion, it's so hard to win. I mean, 17 wins, like you said last week. That's good enough for top of the ladder in some seasons. Well, I was going to say, I haven't actually had a chance to look at it, but I think we we looked and said the last time, last time a team with the Wildcats record now and missed the playoffs. It was like early 1990s. Yep. And I dare say an expansion team wouldn't have had that winning percentage since one of the first years of the league. Well, I, I, I think I heard on the round table, did Matt McQuaid say something about the... Uh... Sun City Launceston Casino team or yeah, whatever they were called. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I think they won the championship. Was that, like, oh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Like, yeah. So yeah, I'm saying like none of the expansion teams have been even close to that record. So good on most improved Keanu Pinder. Yep, no problem. See, I don't have a problem with any of these ones I, really. I the only thing I have is if JLA is an MVP finalist, he probably is most improved because he was like a kind of a role player last season. This I know Keanu's been excellent and I really like him. Uh, I, for me, I'm okay with it. For me, I think what I liked with with Pinder and you know again we we talk about the throwback boys all the time. Shout out to to Robbie and Woody. I know Woody loves Keanu and I I completely agree with it. It was the control this season. It was. The maturity. But yeah, yes. he stopped jacking up threes. He stopped trying to take on entire teams. And he thought about, yeah. There was one game he played against Perth. We could not stop him. So if they'd given it to him every single time down the court, he would have had 50. Well, and again, the, the recent game, guys, and he was saying if the Wildcats had got him instead of Michael Frazier. True. It's a much more balanced squad. Yep. Yeah. But then on paper at the start of the season, you'd be like, holy shit. Well, that's right. Why did we get Keanu Pinder? Yeah, He's such yeah. a wild player. But... Oh, no, we would have said that's a good pickup, but we wouldn't have expected him to be a starter. So but, yeah, yeah he, he turned into an absolute stud. And look, 
again, he was probably also the beneficiary of a lot of injuries to go. I mean, true. Machado missed a lot of Machado, time. Zimmerman missed a lot of the back end of the season. So yeah, there were guys that weren't playing. And, and Jawai doesn't always play big minutes. And again, they're not playing the same position, but it does affect the makeup of, of yeah. rotation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Deng missed quite a lot of the season. Yeah, as well. true. Yeah. So yeah. They, they and Noy, how disappointing yeah, has Noy been? Yeah, quite Noy. Exactly. So like he he's just disappeared. I was so excited about him three seasons ago. I thought, wow, this guy's could this guy could be a stud. Mm. So yeah, I don't think there's any issues with Pinder. And that transitions into Bull Kowal, the rookie of the year. Congratulations to him. He made the most of his opportunities. Uh, didn't Ben Simmons win it? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Yeah, look, I hate this award. I really just, I hate it. I think the only time I've ever been excited, I think was what, John Rilly winning it? Like, Yeah, right, okay, in the early 90s. That's probably the only time I've gone, oh, cool, there's actually something. Yeah, the to... rules are funny about it. Yeah, yeah. Like you can free, frigging win it in your 13th season or something. Yeah, if you've been a developed player. Yeah, yeah. so right. I, yeah, Bulkawal had a, a great season, breakout, shooting the three ball really well, just I think probably one of the few bright spots for uh, for the Cairns Taipans. Well, along with Keanu. I, I don't know. I think if, if Machado stays and if they can get Cam Oliver back. Well, if Machado gets healthy, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't yeah. been 100% all season. No, no. Shaley, sixth man of the year, again, as a defensive beast. That's a very sound pick. I often thought that Melbourne United looked better with him on the floor than Delhi, which is scary. So. Well, it's great that you have that opportunity to go to that player isn't it yeah no he was great controlled the 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 whole offense really well the three-point shot was kind of back and i said it i think i said it to you maybe i don't know before the season i was like the fuck happened to shayili he was like borderline all nbl when he was he had that trajectory yeah 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 yeah. where's he gone yep no he's fit in really nicely there in the last few seasons oh it's been a few years now hasn't it Hmm. and then i'm stoked that it was cleveland's defensive player of the year this is for you Ah, to reuse an nice. old joke. Yeah. No, I'm, I was happy with that. I'm a big fan. I, I'm a big fan. I was torn again. I, I thought Shaili probably could have actually won that as well. But Xavier Cooks as well. Cook, Cooks was up there. I, look, at the end well, of the day. how many games did he? I feel like he missed a few games. He did miss quite a few. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, Cleveland defensively, look, he made some silly decisions, got a lot of fouls he probably shouldn't have. So I maybe look at that and say that kind of goes against him. But I mean, he got a lot of steals. He blocked a lot of shots. He, oh, he was the only player in the league, my understanding, to have a block and a steal again. There you go. And and, and he is very disruptive. And, very disruptive. And if you look at it, if you go to the NBA, there's not many guys in the 48-minute game that average that. It's he just, would be a strong NBA candidate because of his defense yeah, and athleticism. You generally get like Matisse Thibel, Giannis, and a couple of other guys that will have those numbers. So, yep. yeah, it's not easy to do, especially in a 40-minute game, even though Illawarra starters played 65 minutes a game, basically. <laughs> so. uh, all right, quick picks. We won't dwell on this because everyone does them. Uh, Melbourne and Tassie, do you give Tassie any shot at all? No, they're getting swept because I'm hoping. I'm, <laughs> Power of negative. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah, we've 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 talked down on them all season, and look what they've done. If they if I say that they're going to get swept, I'm hoping like crazy. Honestly, go the Jackies. Yeah, I my kind of gut feeling is that Melbourne will win in two. They'll win the first one at home comfortably ish, like maybe ten ish. And then they'll win the second one in an absolute heartbreaker. Tazzy will be up by five yeah. with like 45 yeah. seconds to go. Like Tazzy, like the crowd will be like thinking, oh, we got one here. And then they'll, their hearts will be broken. That's kind of my tip. It's not how I want it to play out. Nope. And geez, they're going to, and the NBL playoffs always just go like that. So they start tomorrow. So they'll start possibly before we even upload this episode. So every other day, every series, basically. Hmm. So Sydney and Illawarra, the New South Welsh crosstown rivals. 
the only two playoff picks that I got right, the two New South Wales teams. Honest, <laughs> Who you got? Honestly, like two weeks ago, I would have said Sydney comfortably. I actually think the Hawks. Yeah, I do too. And I'm really, I'm so sorry, Woody, but I actually, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. I actually think the, the the Hawks are in a little bit of that sort of they're peaking. Yeah, that, at the right that time, fire in a bottle. Yep. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't really want either team to win. Nothing, no <laughs> outcome to, would surprise me. I want a to sweep have, either way, yeah, and a three game win either way. Nothing would surprise me in this. Series. I think it's going three, and I think Illawarra get it because of home court advantage. Yeah, me too. I think it's it going is. three because I, I don't know about Adams. Is he going to be okay? Because the games are every second day. Okay, they're not playing tomorrow. They're playing Friday, but we don't know about him. So yeah, I'll, I'll give the Hawks. Plus, I picked the Hawks to win the championship at the start of the season. So I kind of feel I like I've do, got I a... I think I did as well. Uh, I can't remember, to be honest. I feel like... Well, I, I have like, notes of our playoff picks, I but like, I don't... I feel yeah. like that's... Anyway. Now, finally, Stewie, news just to hand. The NBL, Jeremy Logler has said at the awards night that they will be bringing in a plan for the lead into the playoffs next season in the NBL. Fuck! I know. Like, <laughs> you and I are clearly not a fan, and we've made that very clear in the NBA. And I just... I, don't, I particularly don't like it because it cheapens the regular season. But... I think it makes even less sense in the NBL. We've had it before and it was shit. But there's no draft. There's no tanking. Yeah. Like, it, to be honest, even though I don't like it in the NBA, I think it probably has helped against tanking a bit. So it probably has done what it was designed to do a bit, whether I like it or not. In the NBL, there's no tanking. You mm. don't need this. Guys are going to play hard. And to well, announce well, this... Un unless they're the New Zealand breakers. Or Lamar Patterson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to announce this... After one of the most exciting final rounds in the history of the competition, where a team that was the standard of the competition is missing for the playoffs for the first time since you or I were two, it's just bizarre. Like, it took overtime in the very final game to decide. If there was a playing game after that, it was almost certainly would be anticlimactic. Like, how could it be any more exciting? Yeah, unless, like, Perth and Tassie... It might have extended the... Perth and Tassie goes to, like, triple overtime. Oh, I just... I, I don't like it. I'm actually surprised because I know a lot of people like extra games and this, that, and the other. I was surprised with immediate reactions on Twitter. Now that might change over time because we hit record not long after the awards wrapped up, but I was a bit surprised at the lack of support for this. Well, I actually have to bring something up. So I was actually having a listen while I was driving over here to the, the NBL Pocket Podcast. Listening to Joseph and Andrew, they were talking to Adam Westerhout. I don't know. Apologies if I've pronounced that. No, incorrectly. but uh, great takes, Adam. Yeah. Some, some really, really, really great, some great considered stuff. interesting guy. Yeah. But one of the the key points that they made in their conversation was that they were talking about, you know, was this season enjoyable for you? And, I, and I've, they did actually say that this season was a bit of a slog, and I couldn't agree more. This was the least enjoyable season for me since Connor Henry was coach. Oi. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. Like. Do we need another game? No. <laughs> well, look, even again, even if it was a gangbuster season, we had a gangbuster finale and there's no tanking. So yeah. it's just completely unnecessary. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Mm. And now, this week in sport history. April 25th, 1976, Tim Duncan was born. Yes, as a Spurs fan, obviously I had to take this one. But we both wish a very happy 46th birthday to the big fundamental, Timmy Duncan. In an era where players changed teams as much as they changed their socks, the greatest power forward in the history of basketball played his entire 19-year career with the San Antonio Spurs, a number only topped by Kobe Bryant with 20 and Dirk Nowitzki with 21. Honourable mentions to John Stockton and Udonis Haslam, 
who said at 19 themselves, has them still playing, of course. He is. He has a chance to break that record if he plays to 45. And now there are stories that Duncan came very, very close to going to Orlando, very close in that offseason. Oh, Orlando screwed it royally. Yeah, because they didn't allow his whole family to come and visit. Mm. Yeah, and and he had that great relationship with Pop, who's like a father figure to him. For those that don't know, growing up in the US Virgin Islands, Duncan was actually a superb swimmer. And in actual fact, his sister Tricia swam for the US Virgin Islands in the Seoul Olympics in 1988. But when he was in ninth grade, Hurricane Hugo destroyed the only Olympic-sized pool on the island, and Duncan was too scared of sharks to swim in the ocean, so he turned to basketball. It's funny, those sliding door moments. Mm -hmm. Duncan was a bit awkward growing up, but attracted the attention of Wake Forest coach Dave Odom when he held his own against Alonzo Mourning, some would even say playing him to a draw, in a pickup game when he was just 16 years old. After going scoreless in his first collegiate game, he then exploded and ended up averaging 16 and 12 plus nearly four blocks a game in his four seasons before being drafted by the Spurs as the first overall pick in the 1997 draft. That was a horrible draft, by the way. It wasn't great, was it, when you look at those names? You've got three all-stars, him, Chauncey Billups and Tracy McGrady, and the the rest wasn't great. Yeah, it does happen. Now, I wish I could find the article. It was behind a paywall, but... The crazy thing about this is the Spurs didn't actually have the best odds in that draft and Boston did. And the Boston Celtics were dying for Tim Duncan as every team would have been. But actually the Spurs combination came up, I think like three times before the next team's combination of balls came up. So you could say it's a fluke, but actually you could say it's fateful when you know that piece of information. I'll try and dig up the exact details of that when I can for another time. Duncan was a two-time MVP, five-time champion, three-times final MVP, 15-time All-Star, 10-time All-NBA first team, eight-time All-Defensive first team, and was ranked the ninth best player of all time as a member of the 75th anniversary team, obviously also a first ballot Hall of Famer. It was funny you were mentioning that his speech, he said that he'd played in all these Game 7s and he was more nervous about the public speaking Mm. than he was about those Game 7s. And it just sums up his demeanour, doesn't it? And I don't know, I was always kind of gravitated. It it just seemed like such a natural player to follow in the footsteps of David Robinson. So spoiled as a Spurs fan for so long. I think about all those crazy games, that crazy shot he hit before the Derek Fisher shot. Everyone remembers the Derek Fisher shot. The shot he hit prior to that was nuts. I remember the fadeaway over Shaq when he fell to his ass as it went in. Yeah, I literally nearly put a hole through the roof because I jumped with my hands in the air and nearly put a hole through my parents' roof when that happened. And then nearly, I don't know, jumped off the roof when Derek Fisher hit the shot. Uh, There was that crazy three he hit against Phoenix. Yes. Oh, there's just countless. I could spend an hour talking about how amazing Timmy D was, but we have other things to get to. So happy birthday to the great man, one of the best to ever do it. Before we get to the next one, did just want to quickly reflect on that. You said that Boston had the best odds. Oh, you found it, have you? No, no, no. But I found out what happened to Boston. Okay. They picked up Chauncey Billups with that pick and they traded him with D Brown to Toronto for Kenny Anderson, who was like 56 at the time, Popeye Jones, who was probably about 87, <laughs> and the quality Hall of Famer, Zahn Tabak. Oh, dear. Not a great trade. Well, he was on that Houston Rockets championship team. <laughs> yes. And not much else. Sitting on the bench. <laughs> April 28th, 1996, Ted St. Martin makes an all-time record of 5,221 consecutive free throws over seven hours and 20 minutes during a shooting clinic he was giving for students. Oh, man. This guy's story is pretty insane. He never played in the NBA. He never played college. He wasn't even a star at high school. In fact, his shooting form was pretty average, to say the least. I remember seeing a story on the Channel 10 News about this guy. Yeah. It would have been, I guess, 96. There you go. Yeah. Probably when he said it. Crazy. But 
one thing you can say is it may not be pretty, but it's very robotic. Oh, wow. Hard to beat that. So when St. Martin originally set the record in 1975, it belonged to a guy named Harold Levitt at 499, which, again, as people who grew up playing basketball, we can appreciate how stupid that number is. Oh, I'd be happy with 15, I reckon. Yeah. But then Ted decided to make it an astounding 1,238 straight. But then a week later, he one-upped himself with a whopping 1,704 in a row. Two years later, he made it 2,036 before 72-year-old Thomas Ambery made it 2,750 in 1993 before some buzzkill janitor told him that he had to close up the rec centre they were using. I remember that story. The streak was broken. Oh, wouldn't you say to the guy, can I at least shoot till I miss? Yeah. Oh. Or wouldn't you just say to the guy, fuck, I'll pay you. fuck off? Yeah, well, yeah, jeez. <laughs> Three years later, though, the record was St. Martin's again with him putting it beyond doubt with 5,221, a number which will likely never be beaten. Well, it's hard to say that. It's so good, in fact, and I did mention before that he was very robotic, a Japanese humanoid robot actually could only make 2,020 in a row, and it took only an hour less than St. Martin took to make the extra 3,201 shots. Wow. Insane. Now, there are some crazy free throw records. Anthony Miracola made 72 straight standing on one leg last year. (laughs) Bob Fisher made 49 straight free throws while alternating hands oh, also last year. Searching for Bobby Fisher. Yeah. Different Bobby Fisher. Very different one. <laughs> and Paul Sowers made 479 free throws in an hour while blindfolded. That's an average of nearly eight a minute without looking. Wow. Michael Jordan would be proud. Mm-hmm. But the most interesting ones for me go to Thomas Connors of the United Kingdom, who has the record for most backwards free throws in a minute with 13 and most bounced free throws in a minute with 14. Nice. Pretty good. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. April 29th, 2009, James Jones of the Miami Heat completed two separate four-point plays in the space of just 11 seconds in a playoff game against the Atlanta Hawks. With 2.26 left in the second quarter and down 17 points, Jones was knocked down by Solomon Jones while hitting a three from the corner. After making the free throw, Mario Chalmers drew an offensive foul on Mike Bibby on the inbounds, giving the ball back to the Heat before Jones hit another three while Bibby hit him on the arm. Bam, another four-point play. I've got to say, looked like his foot was on the line for both of them, hey? I mean, it was pretty average. It was it, it was pretty pixelated. Uh, yeah, I, I tell you what, it was close, but really incredible stuff. Atlanta would go on to win the game 81-71, and the series in seven games were then smashed by Cleveland, who they themselves were then taken part by Orlando, who they were then thumped by the Lakers in the finals. Jones had a very solid 14-year career and it helped hitching his wagon to LeBron James, who helped him win three titles, 2012 and 13 with the Miami Heat, and then 2016 with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He also had stints with the Phoenix Suns, Indiana Pacers, and Portland Trailblazers, and won the three-point shootout in 2011 at the Staples Center in LA, edging out a pair of Boston Celtics in Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. Kevin Durant had six in that. <laughs> trust you to, six. Trust you to know that. That's a, a very bad number, KD. <laughs> you saw a great tweet you've got to tell that you've got to you've got to mention that tweet you just saw from kd before oh look the yeah. <laughs> i know this isn't about him but that was classic yeah someone named chris Vandercoy said kevin durant are you more likely to respond if it's a hate comment or a supportive comment i love you you failure <laughs> and he just simply responded with hate <laughs> yep no doubt about that there's some people that speculated he created some more burner accounts straight after the finals and the timelines match up too of course anyway back to james jones he's now the reigning executive of the year at the phoenix suns no surprise given their success where he's been since 2017 
In case you're wondering, the current leader for most four-point plays in NBA history is still Jamal Crawford, and it's an absolute country mile, 54 in his career. James Harden sits second, I believe, with 36, so still quite a while behind. I struggled to find the numbers by franchise, but I read somewhere a while back that Jamal Crawford had more than the entire Boston Celtics franchise at one stage. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. It's ridiculous. It It is. is. And April 30th, 1956, one of the worst trades in NBA history. Now, on paper, it looked pretty bad for the Boston Celtics, but it actually ended up being horrible for the St. Louis Hawks. The Hawks received Ed McCauley and Cliff Hagen, and the Celtics received Bill Russell, that season's number two pick. McCauley had been an all-star every year since 1951, was actually the 1951 all-star MVP as well. He was also a three-time All-NBA first team and a one-time All-NBA second team. He was a guy who could easily get you 20 and 10 most nights. Hagen was fresh off two years in military duty, but he'd averaged 19 points and 13 rebounds a game in his three years in Kentucky. Now, don't get me wrong. Russell was an absolute beast in college. He averaged 20 and 20, but it's college. So McCauley actually doing it in the NBA kind of had a little oh, yeah. bit more... This is a hindsight trade, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But Red Arback wanted Russell, so he traded away his perennial all-star and a really nice player for the number two pick. Now, there's a number of rumors about why the Rochester Royals passed on Russell with the number one pick. My favorite, though, is that Arback spoke to the Royals about letting Russell fall to number two, promising of all things to send the ice capades. <laughs> I've heard this one. <laughs> So the Ice Capades are a show featuring theatrical ice skating and they were owned by Celtics owner Walter Brown. And they basically promised that they would send that to Rochester. Realistically, though, St. Louis was incredibly racist and they didn't have a single black player on their roster. That's what it comes to. That's what it came down to. Yeah. So the Royals ended up drafting Sihugo Green, who averaged nine points and four rebounds a game for his career. And look, the Hawks did win the 1958 championship and Hagen went on to be a sensational player. But McCauley retired in 1959 and Russell and the Celtics won 11 of 13 championships. Including eight in a row. And Russell still sits as one of the top 10 players of all time. Oh, and the Celtics actually picked up two more Hall of Famers that same draft. Tommy Heinsohn with a territorial pick and Casey Jones with their second round picks off. Pretty good draft night for them. Interestingly enough, though, in that same 1956 draft, Elgin Baylor was drafted 90th overall by the Lakers. Wow. Who then redrafted him with the number one pick two years later. Why? <laughs> You'd have to ask That's them. That's another one we'll have to look at. You'd have to ask them. How weird. Yeah. I think he just went, mm, yeah, maybe I'll just stay in college. Wow. Yeah, but you would have thought they'd hold on to his rights. This was 1956. Yeah, and, and Mike Wilbon always bangs on about how great Elgin Baylor is and he doesn't want people to forget because kind of the younger generation oh. forgets some of these guys, which is, is understandable. Uh, like Elgin was amazing. If you look at the rebounding numbers specifically of Elgin Baylor, and keep in mind that this guy was, what, six foot five, I'm pretty sure. His numbers are just ridiculous. So he averaged like 27 points and 13 and a half rebounds a game. It's crazy. For his entire career. And he was. And he was a scorer. Yeah. And he was six foot five. And I think there were there were a couple of seasons. So if you go back to like the start, I mean, he had one season where he averaged 34.8 and 19.8 rebounds. Nuts. 19.8 rebounds as a guard. And he didn't even win MVP that season. (laughs) You gotta love these early early stories. It's absolutely insane. That probably has to be said that he was robbed. So Bill Russell won it that year, 17 points and 24 rebounds a game. So Gotta love coming full circle on the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Russell. (laughs) There you go. This Week in Sport History. 
So unfortunately, Stewie, the NBA has been just riddled with injuries. Can you remember a playoff period where this many stars and like significant rotation guys have got injured? Yes. We can add Devin Booker and Chris Middleton to the mix. Okay, when? You can? <laughs> no. Oh, I, I mean, no, I, you I have a better look, memory than me. I, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if you like. I kind of feel like there were a few in that Derek Rose year. But I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, we had a bunch before the playoffs even started. True. And now Embiid's hurt his thumb. He's playing with a torn right ligament. I mean, ugh. And Zach Levine's in health and safety. Exactly. Problems. Zach Levine, Booker and Middleton could miss two to three weeks. Donovan Mitchell might be okay. They were worried that could have Chemistry, been a hammy. Yeah, it didn't, yeah. didn't look amazing. But I, I read today the scans weren't too bad. So that might be... But the decision to leave him in a 30-odd point game was bad. Oh, God. Why do coaches do this? I know, right? Yeah. What they learned? Yeah. And oh, by the way, as a Perth fan, that's why I was completely okay with the way Melbourne handled that game against Tassie. They had every right to do that. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like rest guys. You don't want guys injured heading into the playoffs. But yeah, so it's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Because... It has robbed us of maybe the best teams kind of progressing through. Time will tell, I guess. Where do you want to start? Well, I guess we have some finished series. Yeah, we're yeah. going to start, the, the start first, in the East. The, the first two in that are absolutely done. So Miami, a 4-1 win over Atlanta. They finished that one off today. I mean, I think this went pretty much exactly how we both thought it was going to go. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, I, yeah, gentleman sweep. I think, I, think I, I can't remember what I picked, but I, I think we both said. The I heat, think you picked a gentleman sweep. I think we had had the yeah the heat over the Hawks and Cleveland in five, and I think we'd set a sweep if it was. Oh, that's right. Yeah, plans. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah I, look, I don't think there was any real surprise. Trey Young was always going to be good enough to get them one, but far out, Miami's defense is so much better than even I imagined. Oh, it is excellent. Because I haven't seen much of them. They've yeah, kind of yeah. been on the back burner. But... Yeah, no, they, they can switch at every position just about. PJ Tucker's an excellent addition to that team. Even Oladipo's been doing some nice things lately. Yeah, it's actually finally getting some Yeah, minutes. yeah. I, I want to read... And playoff Jimmy Butler? Yes, well... Now, I looked at the stats. They're not as kind of dramatic as you think, but it's the intensity and just the key moment stuff. It, it, I do believe in playoff Jimmy Butler is a real thing. Jimmy and Kyle Lowry didn't even play today. Yeah. And they still won. Well, that's right. That's right. Uh, just quickly, I have to run you through a graphic I saw during game two of this. They have nine undrafted players on their roster. Wow. Nine. Wow. In including four of the five bench guys who have played in that game in game two. So get this. You've got, so Max Struess, who was starting. For yeah, he's season. done some good things. Yeah, yeah. He's undrafted. Yep. Then the rest of their starting five. PJ Tucker, pick 35. Jimmy Butler, pick 30. Kyle Lowry, pick 24. Bam Adebayo, pick 14. Wow. Then you've got Tyler Hero and Markeith Morris, who have both picked 13. Late lottery, yep. The only top 10 guy on their roster right now is Oladipo. Yeah, who's not playing as often. number two. And, he, and as I said, when I sort of wrote this all down, he's a walking DNP CD. Yeah, yeah. So, mind you, he had a very, very key defensive play at the end of the game today. But Well, and he might ramp up for the... Uh, they have a lot of options. They're looking really good. I mean, Miami-Boston, it's hard to see any other Eastern Conference finals at this stage. Uh, I wouldn't discount Milwaukee, but... Yeah, the Middleton injury worries me. The Middleton yeah. injury, yeah, is an impact, I guess, for the next series. But I mean, they've still got Giannis. They've still got Drew Holiday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me, the only the only game I enjoyed from this series was Game Three. Yes. So how's this? So it was delayed by nearly an hour 
due to a suspicious package under the Dominic Wilkins statue. Is that where the human highlight film goes up and inspects the statue and goes, nah, mate, the bulge needs to be a bit bigger. Suspicious package. Because that's how he speaks. <laughs> yeah. Nah. <laughs> Dominic. Hey, hey, Do hey, Dominic, what do you think about the package? He's like, yeah, bit nah. suspicious. bit suspicious, mate. Yeah, it's suspiciously small, mate. Bloody suspicious. Anyway. Yeah. That's not how he speaks. No, anyway. no, it's not. But that's the game Atlanta won, wasn't that, it? That was, yeah. yeah. But it was funny because I, I I made a note that Young threw a little under the legs pass in the first quarter and the Heat were like, nah, mate, you're not doing that shit against us. And they stole it and took it the length of the floor for a dunk. Like, they're just, they they were absolute menaces to him throughout the entire yeah. series. But I, I just, the reason I loved game three was just the run. So the Heat, they go on a 21 nothing run. The Hawks go on a 27 to 10 run. It's just back and forward. Trey Young hits the little game winner with that floater. But yeah, as we said, Miami far too balanced. Quick side note, does Shaquille O'Neal know that he's not 25 anymore? <laughs> what? So he was sitting courtside for game three and he's wearing a backwards baseball cap. It's like one of those movies where they send someone who's obviously in their 30s <laughs> to, to go back to high school. There's that, what's that movie with Steve Buscemi where he goes oh, to high God. school? Steve <laughs> <laughs> What's well, it like? It's almost up there with with Big. Oh uh, like, yeah, with Tom Hanks. It's like, it's like Shaq. well, but yeah, but he he is a child he, he in actually, a man's body. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, so Shaq. Let's be honest. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But he's just sitting there with his baseball cap on and his shit eating. <laughs> God damn, it must be nice being Shaq. Seriously. Speaking of man children and weird get-ups, we've, we've got to talk about Ben Simmons and we got to talk about Celtics and Nets. Boston threw in a sweep. Mm. I, I I feel like such an idiot for picking Brooklyn in seven. Hey, like, well, but the thing is, like, after game one, it looked like it, this was one of those ones where, well, it was a sliding doors moment, wasn't it? it if he was. doesn't make that layup, I know, it, I know, or if Kyrie doesn't blow that possession when they're up one prior to that layup, yeah, we could be talking yeah, about yeah. we could be talking about Brooklyn leading three one instead yep. of getting swept. Yeah, how funny that Brooklyn won the same amount of games as Ben Simmons played minutes. Yeah, wow. Yeah, exactly. Not good. exactly. Not, not good, yeah, that's the way of putting it. But the thing, oh, the man. thing with this one, and the thing that I, I sort of noticed in these games, and I kind of, I actually kind of said this as well. It's like it's going to come down a little bit to the supporting cast. We know what we're going to get with Tatum Brown. We know what we're going to get for the most part with Durant Irving, and Boston got more. They got more out of these other guys. We got, you know, Time Lord was back. Which well, was this awesome. is the thing. So like, we, you got a contrast. Robert Williams coming back. Three weeks after a torn meniscus, and Ben Simmons missed an entire season because he, he didn't sleep well. <laughs> oh, my back sore. Oh. No, look, honestly, there is something else going on there. I think, yeah, I think he, mentally he is shot, and there's talk he might never play again. Well, I was going to say, could, could he come back to the NBL? Probably be the smartest thing. How would do. that be? A eh? can you imagine big fish in a small pond? It would be the best thing he could do. Like he could almost do no wrong in the NBL, I reckon. Mm, I yeah, reckon. but how's this? So Stephen A. Smith on first take said he might be the most weakest, pathetic excuse for a professional athlete we've ever seen, not in American history, but in the history of sport. Reggie Miller tweeted that he had zero competitive fire. Oh, it's hard not I to mean, argue with that, isn't it? And I know mental health is really important. And but, I mean, Stephen A. Smith is paid to say that. Oh, of stuff. course he is. He is. He is. But don't dress as a fucking packet of lifesavers. A clown, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, well, if you don't want the attention and the scrutiny... I, he just does some weird things. I mean, a lot of these young players do, but... Let me just quickly go back to what I was saying. The real about, stuff. About, <laughs> about, about the supporting cast. So Marcus Smart, 15 points a game. Al Horford, 13. He'd like, come back from the dead, basically. Grant Williams, they got 10 a game from him. Like, But they had superior size everywhere. And you found that 
the guys are in the passing lanes. They're getting deflections. They're getting steals. If you go to, I think it was game three, 37 Boston points off 18 Brooklyn turnovers. It was just deflections and steals everywhere. Whereas on the other end of the court, you had guys making passes. Like Jason Tatum averaged eight assists a game in that series. Oh, he is an absolute superstar. He has just grown up into a mega superstar. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely top 10. You could make a case top five player in the league. He'd be in the in the top half of the bottom five. Because guys time. like KD are dropping down. Well, that would be. James Harden too. We'll get there in a sec. Yep. Yeah. So, so, all right. couple of things. We spoke last week about the whole Kevin Durant not trying and not giving enough of a fuck. Found another one this week. Oh, okay. And it's from an incredibly important part of the game four. Okay. Well, this is good because in fairness, you told a story about a regular season game. There are 82 of them. Cool. I got a playoff one. Yeah, then. very good. Very good. So he's just missed a free throw that would have brought it back to a one-point game. Durant goes for a steal at half court, and instead of sprinting back into the play, he just kind of wanders towards the basket. There's a little saunter inside the three-point line. At the same time, Marcus Smart is taking and missing a layup, and Al Horford gets an easy putback, makes it a four-point game. Right, if you put a body on him, or get the, yeah. When Horford landed, Durant's feet were right next to him. If he had run, yeah. there's a chance he impacts that rebound. Yeah. And that's the point where it's like, imagine getting to that spot and going, man, I wish we still had James Harden. Yep. Yeah, like, I know. I know. It's, and it's, I like, and I know that who was it? Uh, Bobby Marks, I think it was on the Low Post, said it fairly recently. But I've been saying for a while. I'm, and look, my thoughts about Harden are pretty clear. I'm not a fan, but I think that contract could be a poison pill if you sign him to the Supermax. He could be like Russell Westbrook. Absolutely. I do believe that. And I have believed that for quite some time. Absolutely. He's a great regular season player. Now, the other thing I want to When he doesn't give up on multiple teams. Yeah, well. (laughs) Sorry. All right. Rant's over there. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) The other thing that surprised me was in game four, just how much time Nick Claxton got. Oh, all those free throws he missed. He missed his first 10 free throws. Yeah. One of 11. One of 11. Yeah. You've got LaMarcus Aldridge, who did not play. You've got Andre Drummond playing four minutes. And Blake Griffin barely... Blake Griffin played about 20 or Oh, was it that much? 18, I think it was. Okay, okay. So they kind of split the time there. But I don't understand. When you've got a guy who is struggling mentally and he's getting hacked, the hacker clacks, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why would you not go to Aldridge, who is a career probably 85%? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, he's not as quick. He's not as good at catching lobs, all that sort of stuff. But... Guess what? He's going to stretch the floor a bit more. And Aldridge was still doing nice things when he came back. So why would you bury him now? Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I just don't get that. Yeah. And look, the margin is only 17 across all four games. So they were fairly close games, but you got to win and you got to finish. Well, Boston executed better. Exactly. Than the stretch, they finished. So. Exactly. So a bit of fallout for the Nets. A couple of stats for you. Go on. The Nets are the first team in NBA history to shoot 50% from the field and 40% from three and lose a series. Wow. Wow. For Kyrie Irving, always wanted to get away from LeBron and be this big hero. Oh, and let me tell you, I don't know if you saw, I can't remember which game, but he was like walking, you know how they film the blokes walking into the stadium? Yeah. And I saw the video and I saw a tweet of a guy that wrote, this is how I looked when I walked (laughs) to every job I ever hated. Yeah. It was such an apt comment because that is summed up the look on his face. So he is now 39 and 13 in playoff games with LeBron. 11 and 11 without him. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. So not great. Yep. And it's now been 1,030 days since Durant and Irving signed in Brooklyn. They have won a grand total of one playoff series. Yeah, wow. So not what everyone was expecting. No. And hey, maybe the death of the super team and that's maybe not a bad idea. Super mega team. <laughs> sign everyone. 
Did you see KD had pics on his Instagram of Barkley on the Houston Rockets after Barkley was kind of giving him a bit of shit about creating super teams and stuff? Yeah, Barkley was like 30, 35. I was, I was going to say 37. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, or maybe. Well, or no, you're, yeah. you're probably right there because Barkley did retire a little bit earlier. Did he yeah. for, I don't even remember if he forced a trade to Houston. I think maybe the Suns decided. That was that would have been Robert Ory and Sam Cassell, I think, came across. For, did they come Could across? Be Mario Ellie, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Did Ellie play for the Suns? Oh, yeah, I think that's he did. Let's yeah. Find, let's find out. So, Stewie's gone to the third umpire on this one. Cassell and Ori. Oh, I was right. Okay. Yep, did well. Did and look, well. on paper, that was a pretty good trade. Hori was very good in his early course. So was Kurt. They were both. They helped them win championships. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, that's actually a pretty decent trade. But yeah. he's, a, he's a cheeky bastard, isn't he? Oh, and KD, like saying, what did he say? Like shit happens. And I don't know. I just, the weird attitude after, after a loss. Sweep happens. Clearly not a good season for him. Now the 3-6, Milwaukee 3 currently leading Chicago 1. Yeah, really interesting. So... The door was left ajar with the Middleton injury, but now, as you say, Levine's in trouble, so it might shut the door again, and it could be 4-1 yep. <laughs> very easily. Do you know, I saw a really, really interesting thing from Stat News that kind of really talked about the key moment of this. So going into game three, Drew Holiday had contested 34 shots. Only nine had been made. So- oh, he's, he's such a good defender. Then, Absolute lockdown. And then they moved him on to DeRozan. DeRozan went four of nine for 11 points yeah. in game three. Right. That's it. Like, that's how you change a series. You yep. identify those mismatches. And look, Chicago did well. They they won a game in Milwaukee and everyone went, oh, shit, series might be on. And I think Giannis and Drew Holiday just went, no, it's not. Don't, no. don't be silly. No. We're, we're too good for you. Yep. And I dare say this one's probably going to be a smashing in game five. Yeah. Well, Milwaukee will hope for that in, in hopes that, I don't know. I still I still worry about the Middleton thing. And then the last one, Philadelphia 3 leading Toronto 2. I've got a question for you, Nathan, right off the bat. Yes. How nervous are you if you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan? Super nervous. Because if Embiid doesn't hit that crazy turnaround 3, Toronto are up. Yeah. And they're going home for game 6. And no thigh ball. So this one is definitely going 7 in my opinion. But gee, they laid an egg in game 5 at home, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what. My gut says Toronto wins this series. So because James, playing with a dub thumb is really hard. Oh, it would be. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, and you've got James Harden shooting thirty-seven percent from the field from and the being series. passive. Danny Green, I think, shooting about thirty-two. And so yeah, it's really he's getting on. It's Embiid and Maxi. Like they're the only two guys that are real. I don't think oh, Tobias Harris is playing okay. Yeah, no, but he's done all right by looking at stats. I mean, I must confess, I haven't really seen a hell of a lot of this. It's probably been one of the series I've seen the least of, in fairness, but. Jeez, no one knows how to choke away a series like Doc Rivers. Oh, man. This would be like next level. Oh, dude. Well, everyone's saying it would break the internet. It would. It, it probably would. It really would. Yeah. I mean, I think whoever wins this series is going to get steamrolled by Miami in the next round anyway, but... Probably. Probably a sweep. Hmm? Yeah. Maybe five. Maybe one. Maybe one. Yeah. yeah but I mean, yeah. Ugh, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Look good. All right, the West. I think the West is more exciting. Oh, man. So I wasn't at all surprised the Pellies took game two after seeing game one. Because like I said, they fought so hard, they could have rolled over. And instead, they took a lot away from it. And a young team with confidence. Fantastic. Series mm. on. And, well, the Devon Booker injury made things interesting. Yes, and look, yeah. Phoenix took game five today, so they lead three to two. Yep. But how much fun is it watching Brandon Ingram turning into basically Kevin Durant? Well, i got to say it's the defenders that I like watching the most. Okay. Alvarado and Jones. Herb Jones. Yeah. Oh, Herb Jones. Some of his blocks. 
Yeah. Like guys are taking shots thinking there's no way this is getting blocked. It's got the go go gadget arms. Do, do you know it's what unbelievable. I, do you know what I immediately came to mind on those? Was that Hakeem Warwick block for Syracuse against Michael Lee in, in the NCAA, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, where he just comes out of nowhere and spikes this thing into the, the crowd. And yeah. that, that was what I thought of that length. Yeah. But the crazy thing is Herb just kept doing it. He did it multiple times. They kept falling for it. It was crazy. Yeah. I love watching those guys defend. He should have made an all NBA defensive team. And they trapped Chris Paul in the backcourt for a backcourt violation. That's Alvarado. Man. Oh, he is such a tenacious. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, Ingram, I mean, oh, wish we traded Kawhi for him. Yep. But it's like the switch has finally gone on in his head and he's realised that he is taller and longer than anyone Phoenix can put on him. He's probably added a bit of muscle and bulk and size. Yeah. and uh, yeah. He can get any shot he wants, any time he wants. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. This one going seven? Phoenix in seven? I think it's going six. Okay, you don't think they'll win at home without Devin Booker? No. Okay. I don't think they will. They they handled him pretty comfortably in game five, unless Scott Foster is referee. <laughs> yeah, that's been doing the rounds. 14 straight. There's, there's got to be something going on there. Oh. Two and 18 all-time in Scott Foster officiating. Yeah, wow. It's nuts. Wow. How's Mikhail Bridges? He became the seventh player today in NBA history to have 30 points, four threes, and four blocks in a playoff game, just joining LeBron, KD, Kawhi, Dirk, Vince Carter, and Kobe. Not bad. And his defense has been excellent too, speaking of defense. Not bad at all. So, yeah, I don't know. I think the Pillies might win at home, but I'll I'll take the Suns in seven over there. Okay. Yep. Now, Memphis, Minnesota. Has what they, a nut. Has this been the best series? Oh, it's crazy. Absolutely it's, nuts. I think it's been the best series. Yeah, yeah, probably. Pretty, pretty happy. And then it. it's even got those off-court dramas too with the protesters and shit. Yep. How was this the video doing the rounds of the security chick just lying? <laughs> she was like, like she was in position the way. Oh, it was just like a tiger lying in the reeds waiting for a gazelle to oh, jump. No, she was just waiting for the sack, basically. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The final line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, it was it was nuts. It was great. It was, it was that so... protester barely set a foot on the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, look, there's been a few wild things. Game three was absolutely wild. 37 to 12, fourth quarter for Memphis. They were down 26. Minnesota goes three of 18 from the field, one of 11 from three, which the one three was right at the buzzer. This they is... blew two 20-point leads. Yeah. yeah. Two. But this is why people love Memphis, because they don't stop. 21-0 run. They clamp down on defense. It just, yeah, it seemed like everything the Wolves had was up against the shot clock. Speaking of things you learn as a 15-year-old coach, why didn't Chris Finch call a timeout during those runs? No idea. What the hell is going on there? Maybe he forgot. Selective amnesia. Bloody hell. you got to call one. Mm. you got to call one. Yeah. What I have found interesting as well, Stephen Adams, and this is something I don't think it's really been talked about. He averaged more than 26 minutes a game in 76 regular season games. He played 24 minutes without a shot in game one. Subbed out after two minutes, 50 seconds in game two. Didn't play a second in game three. He had three minutes and 41 seconds of game time in game four. And I didn't even check to see whether he got on the court in yeah, game Yeah, well, well, that's telling, isn't it? I mean, it, it goes to show that Memphis feel they need to go a little smaller, bit smaller. Yeah, but yeah. It's um, it's nuts. There you go, Adams DMPCD today. So yeah, I, I'll tell you what, Stewie. Thinking as a fan, so I saw the the end of that game three, and yes, there were some early levers. People were leaving when they'd realised the Timberwolves weren't going to win. Speaking of early leavers, we didn't talk about some of those Eagles fans. We went to the Derby. Were there people left in the first quarter? The end of the first, I think it was, or the second? The game was over by Oh, that's really early time to leave. I mean, it's a good time to get on a train. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I just loved the crowd shots at the end of the game. And they actually took time to film several people all around the stadium. And I could totally relate after a heartbreaking loss. So there was like the shock or the, the forlorn or blank stares into space. 
there was this couple sitting next to each other gesticulating towards the court and kind of, oh, why didn't this happen? And and I just, I just, yeah, I, I could just relate to it so much after a really hard loss or a choke. And that's what it was. They choked big time. Minnesota should be up in this series. They should. And now they'll probably lose in six. They should have probably won the series. Yeah, That's well, they, you could make a case. I mean, it's 3-2. They probably should have won two of the, <laughs> the other games. I mean, they should have won today. They were up fairly comfortably late-ish in that one. And, and we've buried the lead. We, we kind of have buried the lead. One of the great dunks of all time, in-game dunks. And a game winner, too, for Ja Morant. And he had a pretty nice block. Oh, I don't think that was today, though. But, yeah, what a game he played. Yeah. I don't understand why on earth Anthony Edwards was playing him on the high side. Basically giving him the, the yeah the lane yeah I, I don't understand that. yeah you don't give jumper out the lane yeah, force him to hit a jump yeah, shot if he, hits, if he hits a jump shot all power yep. yeah tip your hat so nice shot but absolutely I agree I don't understand that but yeah you're you're absolutely right I mean the dunk the way he cocked it back and well, it was, oh, it what was, a tomahawk it was the dunk that he tried over Kevin Love except he got someone who was a little bit smaller that he could jump over and he just timed it perfect it was yeah ridiculous yeah oh, magnificent top five dunk all time I reckon in game yeah, yeah. it's yeah. hard to think of. Too many others. Mm, yeah. Yeah, pretty. Well, that uh, might be a fun little segment one day. Oh, it could be. Because <laughs> I can whinge about how that friggin' Jake, oh, ghost dunk or alien dunk or the Julius Irving one. Oh, Michael, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the second best dunk of all time. It's just, it shouldn't be. It's just, there's a boring dunk. Anyway. I do like Tom Chambers. Uh, over Mark Jackson. Over yeah. Mark anyway. Jackson better than that one. <laughs> Yeah, that'll, yeah. That'll, well, another time. That'll be a special. Another idea, time, so. indeed. But um, yeah, geez, Minnesota, they need to get more from Towns. I mean, he had a good game today in the loss, but the two other losses, he's had four field goals and seven field goal attempts. The two wins, 17 and 18. Yeah, I, I had that on my notes too. He only took four shots in game three. I mean, that's nuts. It's ridiculous. So yeah, he's got to get more offense run through him and you know, see if you can get Jaron Jackson Jr. into some foul trouble and go from there. I just love Barkley's call after the end of game three. He said, that was embarrassing for basketball. <laughs> okay, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, blowing two 20-point leads, not calling timeouts, really choking. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing with the symbols. Great for basketball. Well, yeah. Those comebacks are amazing. Now, yeah. I don't know if you saw it. Desmond Bain pushed Chris Finch today, and it wasn't strong. No. But... Uh, oh, he got teed up. That's Yeah, he, should he get a game? No. You don't think? No. Okay. He might get a fine, but... I don't think players should be pushing coaches in that sort of situation. If there was a melee or a fracas, I don't know. Uh, look, it wasn't harsh at all, but I don't know. The league might go, oh, this might go seven if we suspend him again. Who's More the, likely. Who's in the front office? That's I, don't know. That's, I don't know. That's <laughs> Horatio Huffnagel. Exactly, yeah. And it's look, fantastic flame machine. My thoughts are... <laughs> It's fantabulous about track. Oh, yeah, whatever. whatever the hell yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that Finch should have been standing where he was. He was up a little bit too high, and Bain's just trying to put the ball in court. I, I don't have a problem. Yeah, okay. I don't have a problem. He got the tech. That's that's fine. Move on. He was doing what we call the Shamir. Yes. Mm. Way too far in the court. Yeah. <laughs> now, Golden State 3 leading Denver 1. Have not seen much of this series at all. Steph Curry still playing off the bench, though, which I find... Yeah, well, it's working for them. It's, yeah. And Paul is playing magnificently. He, he is. He had more in his... I think they said more in his first three playoff games than Michael Jordan. Yeah, wow. Wow. Okay, yeah. there you go. So... Yeah, yeah, now at the start of the season when I said their ceiling was championship potential... I still don't believe it. I, <laughs> I, I think they're odds on to make the finals. Out of the West. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I do. If Devin, if Devin Booker's out of the West, 
Yeah, he'll be back by the conference finals if they make it. If, if they make it is the key thing. Mm. At, at this point in time, and it could change, and it could change quickly, at this point in time, Golden State are my pick to make the NBA finals against either Boston or Miami. I'd take Dallas to beat Golden State at the moment. Okay. Quite frankly. Yeah, okay. But I've underestimated them before and they've proven me wrong. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, they're, they're playing good ball. I mean, Jokic obviously had a great game in game four. He's had a great series. He's just had no help, really. Aaron Gordon's been rubbish. For the most part, he had a decent game in, what was it, a game three, I think, of game four? Probably game four, the one that they won, yeah. Oh, and Will Barton, did you see that shot? Which one was that? Game three, I think. Will Barton took this horrible shot near the end. Oh, they still had shot clock left. I've actually been a fan of Barton's, but I can't defend that. That was terrible. I just honestly haven't been interested in this series. Yeah. I just haven't been interested, which is silly because... Well, there are some big names missing for Denver. So there, there are, but yeah. I still should be watching it. I just haven't found any interest in it, to be honest. No, no fair enough. Anyway, I think Golden State closes it, closes this one out anyway, and most likely moves on. And yeah, well, it is at home the next game. So yeah, and I dare say them against Memphis, they'll probably win that. But I think they'll they'll come unstuck, whether it's you know, Dallas or Phoenix potentially in the conference finals. I think whoever is in okay. there. Uh, anyway, okay, it'll be fun. Time will tell. It'll be fun. Speaking Either way, Utah dead in the water. Well, I mean, they're not dead in the water. It's 3-2, but uh, I don't know. Uh, Dallas just looked too good. Doncic destroyed them in game five. Donovan Mitchell won't be 100%. Well, that's right. That's right. If he plays at all. If, yeah. Yeah. And the, look, I think that Joe Ingles' loss is big. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Defensively and playmaking and just the one percenters and good team guy, all that. Yeah. They miss Brian Russell. <laughs> And, and, and well, if you're going back that far, and Adam Keith <laughs> <laughs> and Howard Isley, <laughs> random D- Daniel Griffith, and Mark Daniel Griffith, sorry, yeah. as well. Mark Eaton would be handy. Him and the uh, the twin, twin tower. towers with Gobert, Go- yeah, Gobert and Eaton, that'd be all right. But uh, oh dear, oh dear, rest in peace, Mark Eaton. Indeed, yes, yep. But uh, no, nah, look, it's it's one of those things. That, yeah, no, no one can stop Doncic. Uh, they need to double him. But then Brunson's playing well. Max, yeah. Maxi Kleber's shooting the ball at a good clip. They're just getting really like Dorian Finney-Smith's been playing well. They're getting good numbers and good production out of all of their role players. So I think Dallas wraps this up next game. I think so. Yeah, and I hope so because I don't like Utah. Yeah, I think Utah are going to get blown up. I think they're probably done. Oh yeah, if they get knocked out in the first round again, that's yep. it. that's it. Yep, game over. Yep, and again, Mitchell is he is tantalizing a prospect as he once was like Harden okay he's much younger than Harden so I, yeah. I think he is much worth a shot but I don't know interesting final note alright Stu you know what that music means what are you in for well definitely keen to see how the rest of the first round of the NBA playoffs go specifically Memphis Minnesota and the Jack Jumpers first playoff series in the NBL which is pretty cool but I'm actually off tomorrow to watch the wife's half-brother play in the WA Open Golf at the Royal Fremantle Golf Club. Go, unnamed player. <laughs> How about yourself, mate? Well, I'm very much looking forward to the NBL playoffs, of course. It's a real shame that the Sydney Illawarra game clashes with the Sydney-Brisbane game in the AFL. The scheduling is a bit of a shame there. Hopefully both games are crackers. Hopefully I can see both. Until next time, I'm Nath. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.